0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So, I heard a story recently about this German couple who had been harmoniously married for over 20 years. And then during the pandemic, they ended up with different opinions about what was going on. And before I tell you more about what their opinions were, I'm going to invite you to just feel into your bodies and notice as I describe them which one you naturally feel more affinity to and what goes on in your body as you hear about the other one. So the husband was against the mainstream ideas about COVID. He believed that this was part of the pandemic and it was designed to enable totalitarian control of the world. He believed that the vaccines were ineffective and possibly harmful. And he believed that masks were dangerous to be wearing. The wife was mainstream and she believed that it was important. Science was a gift from God. This vaccine was a gift from science and it was irresponsible not to get the vaccine. She had been vaccinated and boosted. She believed it was our duty in caring for the community to get the vaccine. She felt very um, endangered by her husband because he wasn't vaccinated, and she was afraid that she was at risk of getting sick from him because he wasn't. She was the one who initiated the divorce. And so after all of those years of harmony, they got divorced because they had different ways of viewing this pandemic. Can you relate to that? Do you know anyone in your life that is no longer a part of your life because they have a different point of view about the pandemic? In our own community, we have had divisions. There are people in our community who totally believe what the husband believes. There are people in our community who totally believe what the wife believes. And some of them are not talking to one another. We have people in our community who believe that they have lost their community because there are too many who believe differently than they believe. Those who believe, like the husband, have a tendency to believe that we're also not following spiritual principles. And so today, I really want to take that on and explore it. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that after they got divorced, within a year, they were back together, that couple. And you might think, Oh, good. One of them finally came to their senses. The one that you agree with, you think the other one came to their senses. But they didn't. They didn't change their minds at all. What they did do is realize that love was more important than being right. Let that sink in for a minute. Where in your life, because we have all done this, Where in your life have you put your opinion and being right above love? What have you been willing to let go of in your life? Spiritual community? Relationships in your family? Close friends? Love is the opening door. Love is what we came here for. That's the line of the song. And love is a spiritual principle. So when, if you think that we have let go of our spiritual principles, we have not let go of love. I know that I can speak that truly for myself and for everybody that I'm in regular contact with in this community. And I hope that whoever you are that is listening, that I can speak that for you. That love is the highest spiritual principle. We are love. There is nothing else. And when we buy into the idea that there are others and they are less worthy of our love, we have bought into an idea of separation and illusion and then we are not standing in spiritual principle. Now let's take the whole idea of healing because unity, if you are unfamiliar with it, was actually founded on the principle of healing. If you go back in time, this is the late 1800s when this is all coming about. This is not that long after the Civil War where, if you remember from history, things like amputations are going on with not really any sedatives because they have not invented those yet. It's, it's a time of crude medicine. And into this, there is a new wave which we call new thought that comes in. And people are realizing that with the power of thought, they can change their reality. In other words, it's like the thoughts that you are thinking make a difference in what you experience in the world. Go back to that couple. They experienced disharmony because of the way that they were thinking and and how wedded they were to their opinions instead of each other. Our thoughts are extremely powerful, and that's the core teaching of our unity movement. So during this time, what was happening is there were more and more people that were coming to realize that this was true. And it was especially prevalent in New England, here in this country. New thought wasn't new. It goes way back. It goes back before the time of Christ. But at this time, there was a resurgence. And part of this resurgence involved what they called spiritual healing. So people were finding that they could change their thoughts and their diseases were gone and they were pretty amazing. So Myrtle Fillmore, one of the co-founders of Unity, she had a personal experience of this. She was diagnosed with TB and at that time, TB was kind of like cancer today, but people, people who got TB died. They believed it was hereditary and they believed that there was no hope once you got it and that you would die young. So she, at this time, is in her late 30s and isn't expected to live more than, you know, five or six more years. She goes to a lecture by one of these New Thought practitioners, and she hears the words, you are a child of God, you do not inherit disease. And when she hears these words, you you know, you've had that experience sometime, haven't you? Somebody says something and whoop, it goes in. That was one of those moments for her. And she realized in that moment that she was holding a thought that was making her sick, and that she could change that thought. And she did. She began to believe that she was a child of God, that her inheritance was life. Because what is God? God is not a hymn up in the sky. God is a principle a principle of life, a principle of love, a creative principle from which we come. That is our source. And she began to focus on that thought and knowing that she could be nothing except for vibrantly alive. She began to know that. She began to meditate and send love to every cell of her body. And as she did that, she also sent forgiveness. Forgiveness for ever thinking that she was anything less than perfect. Within two years of persistent practice, not just, a oh, that's a great idea, and then on to the next thing. No, persistent practice for two years, she was completely healed of TB. And she went on to live into her middle 80s with never any illness after that because she knew the truth. So right now, so when she did that, then her husband kind of got interested. Um, A lot of people were having healing. She started a healing circle and uh, people would come to the circle and she wouldn't pray for them, she'd pray with them and help them to change their thoughts. And there were so many miracles. And so her husband, who was more of the business, scientific kind of guy, but he's noticing. And he has had an injury that he had when he was a young boy and left some deformity. And I wanna read to you his words because it's just so powerful when he tells this story. When I, a boy of 10, I was taken with what was at first diagnosed as rheumatism, but developed into a very serious case of hip disease. I was in bed over a year, and from that time, an invalid in constant pain for 25 years, or until I began the application of divine law. Two very large tubercular abscesses developed at the head of the hip bone which the doctor said would finally drain away my life. But I managed to get about on crutches with a four inch cork and steel extension on the right leg. The hip bone was out of the socket and stiff. The leg shriveled and ceased to grow. The whole right side became involved. My right ear was deaf and my right eye weak. From hip to knee. The flesh was a glassy adhesion with but little sensation. So here we have a serious sensation, evidence in the physical world that the end is near, nothing is going to be fixable. But the whole point is the material world, the evidence that we see in front of us is illusion. It's very convincing illusion. It's the illusion that we're walking about in. I'm not, I'm not knocking us for having feelings about these illusions, but they are illusions. And the way that we change them is by recognizing that the material world is a dream. And the reality is in the imaginal world, that, that etheric dimension where thoughts can change reality because thoughts are creative. But they have to be thoughts that are completely in a line with spirit. We have to be in a place where we believe that something higher is true, not something lower. And as above, so below. That's how it works. As in heaven, so on earth. So he says, when I began applying the spiritual treatment, there was for a long time slight response in the leg. But I felt better. And I found that I began to hear with the right ear. Then gradually I noticed that I had more feeling in the leg. Then as the years went by, the years, as the years went by, the ossified joint began to get limber and the shrunken flesh filled out until the right leg was almost equal to the other. Then I discarded the cork and steel extension and wore an ordinary shoe with a double heel about an inch in height. Now the leg is almost as large as the other. The muscles are restored, and although the hip bone is not yet in the socket, I am certain that it soon will be and that I shall be made perfectly whole. I am giving minute details of my healing because it would be considered a medical impossibility and a miracle from a religious standpoint. However, I have watched the restoration year after year as I applied the power of thought, and I know it is under divine law. So I'm satisfied that here is proof of a law that the mind builds the body and can restore it. My application of the divine law in restoring health to a limb has also resulted in a regeneration of my whole body. Although 92 years of age, I am being rejuvenated and my whole organism is going through a transformation that can only end in body perpetuity. Charles Fillmore believed that and, and so did Myrtle, that the actual body could be completely transformed into a light body, into what, when Jesus ascends, that's, that's what they believed he was talking about, that, that it was no longer walking about in this physical world, but it wasn't dying as we think of it. It was just completely transforming into light while alive. So he didn't have that experience, neither did she. But if you think about some of the ideas that get their start in the beginning, people think, that's crazy, that could never happen. And yet you go down the road and you find that now everybody's accepting that idea. So perhaps this is an idea that, I don't know if in our lifetimes or in generations to come, but maybe this will happen. But they believed it at any rate, and the physical changes that he was experiencing were real, and everybody could see them. So why am I saying this? Because we have a healing principle. Excuse me. So I'm gonna indulge in the healing properties of water right now. We have a healing principle <clears throat> that our thoughts create our reality. <clears throat> Let's see. So how, how did they do it? What, what were the thoughts that they were thinking? That they are a child of God, yes. But what else? They believed in oneness. Myrtle says, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. This means... she's quoting Jesus, this means shut out of your mind that which looks real and hold firmly to the thought of what is real. Stop thinking that evil is real. Think of good as all. Stop thinking that matter is real. Know that spirit is all. That is oneness. That is saying there is no other out there. There is no evil that can hurt us. And so if we are really walking in principle, we are knowing that is truth. And yet at the same time, we have experiences in this dream world. We have experiences where people are getting sick and dying from COVID. Yes, that's the dream world. And we are here walking in two worlds. We are here walking in the material world and we are walking in a world of higher knowing. Where we have the power is in focusing on the world of higher knowing and allowing that to inform the material world rather than looking at the material world and letting that be the creative supply. This is where we can question, each of us can question ourselves, have we been standing in principle? What has been our relationship to the COVID vaccine? What has been our relationship to the COVID disease? Where are we? Are we in fear Are we afraid of masks? Are we afraid of vaccines? Are we afraid of people not getting vaccinated? Are we afraid of dying from the disease? Are we afraid of other people dying from the disease? Are we living in fear? Or are we coming from a place of love and knowing that all shall be well? When we make decisions, For example, some people have been upset that we made the decision to have to wear a mask inside. Some people have been upset that we made the decision to go virtually for a while. When we make those decisions, are we making them based on fear? Or are we making them based on love? I can tell you, because I've been part of the decision making, that our intention was coming from love and caring because we don't know what others are walking through. Each one of us gets to decide our own personal level of safety. So if I feel comfortable walking around in the world without a mask, I can go do that. Except in places where they insist that I wear a mask, like here. But if I don't feel safe with a mask on, or, or I feel like I need to have a mask on, I can do that too. I have to think about where, is, where are my thoughts? But when we talk about a whole community, the fact that you can keep yourself healthy through your diet or essential oils or exercise or all of those good things that we all want to do doesn't mean everybody else in the room can, or they could, but maybe they're not because all of us have got so many things going on. I know, I know so much about staying healthy and a lot of it I do a lot of the time. But I don't do it all and I don't do it all the time. And sometimes I end up getting sick even though I know the power of my thoughts. Sometimes I still have issues with my health. And I'm somebody who has been focused on health for most of my adult life. There are other people and people in my life that don't have the same way of thinking, that they don't have those same habits of health. There are people in my life who are young and very vulnerable to getting possibly ill. And so I am careful about my actions and what I expose myself to, not because I'm afraid for me, but because I want to protect others. Is that fear? Maybe. But I believe that we are not all on one page at all times, living in the higher dimensions, that being here on the earth is a dance between two worlds. And we do that with varying degrees of efficiency at different times. But what I know as spiritual principle is that it is more important to love and accept one another. That is more important, not to judge. Jesus says, judge not, lest ye be judged. It's so important to accept where other people are, to accept ourselves, to be loving, even if things aren't the way we want. Love is such a powerful potion. If there is only oneness and the oneness is the all, then what is COVID actually? Is COVID The other, if we don't believe in evil as reality, what is COVID? Have we ever considered loving COVID, welcoming it, like Rumi says, into the guest house? And saying, hmm, well, tell me more. Who are you? Why are you here? What can I learn from you? esteemed guest, I have to say, I haven't been particularly welcoming of it. What about you? What other things are happening in our lives that we are making other? Because every time we do that, whether it's to a person or a circumstance, we step into separation. And we step out of the oneness that heals all. If we, there's a saying, let thine eye be single. That means only look at the good, only see the good as real. Yes, there is that other stuff out there. You can't help not notice it, but you don't have to focus on it. Put your attention on the good. Emily Cady, who was one of the, um, the writers and influencers in that early time, her, her book, Lessons in Truth, is still one of the best-sold Unity books ever. She had this image of the spokes of a wheel. And if you think about it, like a bicycle wheel, at the edges, there's more of a separation. As you get toward the center, it, everything comes together. So when we're away from our center... It seems like there's more separation between us and others. It seems real. But as we get closer and closer, whether it's people who are different from us because they believe something different about COVID, or they have a different religion, or they have different politics, the closer we get to the center, the center that we call God, that we call oneness, that we call love, the closer we get to that, the less separation we perceive. And that is our call, is to live here in the center, not at the periphery. When we do those things, we make a space where love is so real. It is a creative power and we can change everything. This is something that Myrtle Fillmore wrote, taking off on the Bible story of creation, and substituting the word God, which has so much baggage, for properties of love, good, and life. In the beginning, love, good, and life created the thoughts that people my world. Peace flows through it as a river Glory and gladness roof its skies. Joy and health are the morning and evening stars. Willing service is the moon that follows after the great sun of righteousness. Understanding is the soil where springs forth the beauty of action. The angel that guards the Eden of my world is purity of thought. My love of life is absolute knowledge of truth. This is your world created by the mind that was in Christ Jesus. This is the mind and the world that we all can have. Tomorrow, we celebrate Valentine's Day, which is problematic for so many people in so many ways. But it reminds us again, on an essence level, that we are here to love. That love is what we came here for. And so I invite all of us to ask ourselves, where are we loving? And where could we love more? If we look at ourselves and we realize, oh, I haven't been living spiritual principles as well as I could, can we love ourselves right there? Can we accept that we are doing this human divine double walk through two worlds the best we know how right now? And so is that other person Each one of us is doing the best we know how. And that spiritual principle of love and compassion is more important than any other. So let's take that into meditation now. I invite you to close your eyes, shutting out the world of the material form and tuning into the world that exists within And as you breathe in, focus on your heart, that whole center, which is the center of the wheel, that heart where love rules and has dominion. It is more important than being right. Just see the light that is shining from that center. Think of it as a moon, the full moon up in the sky, shining over the darkness, illuminating everything. That it's a moon of compassion for all, exactly where they are. Those that are having miracles of healing and those who are succumbing to illness. Those that are being loving and those that are out in the cold, unsure how to be loving. And as this light just shines out, it blesses everyone. It spreads through our community, this beautiful spiritual community, and it brings us all closer into alignment with truth and with each other. It does not ask us to agree. It asks us to love. And even as you send this love out to one another, Let yourself imagine that you can feel the love coming to you from all the others. Feel your spirit filling out, fortified by love. Just let someone come to mind that needs to be your valentine. I don't mean your life partner. I mean somebody who needs your love that you perhaps have withheld it from. Who could you send love out to right now? Do it. Emily Cady talks about forgiveness as giving for. Who can you give love for? How can you bless this world through the power of your love? Let's just be in that love and the silence for a moment. And so we open the door, and love rushes in, and love flows out, and so it is. Namaste.